You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. First Watch by Songbird Strives to Thrive on AO3. She's almost nodded off for the third time when there's a soft knock at the door. Instantly, she's on alert, heart pounding, fingers tightening around the barrel of the rifle, throat closing. She waits, huffs a few breaths through her nose, and then, Liv, it's me. For a few minutes, her whole system goes haywire. The panic is there, still, but relief flows through her, unbidden, at the sound of his voice. This mix of emotion, the intensity of it, it's more than she can handle. She feels like the beating has broken a seal somewhere, and everything is flowing out of her. She's hemorrhaging, and there's nothing around to stop the flow, to stem the reaction. She doesn't know how to cope like this, with him on the other side of her door. She can't even begin to understand it. Another knock, a little harder this time. Liv? Can you call us back? Need to know you're all right. Vaguely, she registers the vibration of her phone, but she can't move. She can't do anything, not until the deluge stops, not until she can feel her hands and feet again. The gun is cold against her skin, and it's the only thing that registers, so she squeezes it tighter, breaths shaky and uneven. She's fine, here, like this, just the chair and the gun and the door. She knows how to lie with panic, how to wrap her arms around it and cradle it close, how to grit her teeth and sigh as it nestles its barbs into her flesh. It doesn't ask if it can come and stay, so she's learned how to welcome it, how to sit with it while her skin crawls and her hair stands on end. The panic is familiar, the taste of it, the sharp curl in her gut, the pressure of it in the center of her chest. But the relief of him, it's so unfamiliar, so innate and primal. It feels like ammonia has collided with bleach, and she can't fucking breathe. He has to go away. He has to leave her here, with the chair, the gun, and the door. Because this reality is the only one that makes sense. The only one she can process. I have to come in, Liv. I'm gonna use Finn's key. A key turns in the lock, and the sound of it feels deafening. And then he's there, eyes narrowing in alarm when he peeks his head around the door. He inches inside and shuts it behind him, keeping his eyes on her while he reaches back to turn the lock. Hey, he says softly, holding his hands at chest tight, palms facing her. It's me. It's Elliot. He thinks she's dissociated. She hasn't. Not completely. Her eyes burn, and her jaw clenches. I know who you are. Good. All right, good. He nods, taking a careful step towards her, hands up. It's all clear out there. You don't need the gun right now, okay? Slowly, his energy fills the space, and her vision starts to clear. Everything slows down a little. 
Maybe because her brain has flipped itself right side up again. Maybe because his warm, broad presence is the most grounding thing she's ever had in her life. She blinks as he takes a couple of slow steps, holding her eyes, and feels her chest loosen, enough that she can draw a deeper breath. Take your time. We're all good here. Nobody is getting past Schroeder out there, or the guys downstairs. Got some good guys watching your back. I'm sure you know that. These are your guys. His voice is soft, calm, as he inches closer, until finally he's close enough to kneel right in front of her. She watches him sink to his knees, sees the trust in his eyes as he gently, smoothly reaches out to cover her hands where they hold onto the gun. Can I have this? He prompts quietly, letting his hands rest against hers, not pulling or tugging. We'll just set it down. I won't put it away. His touch feels like warm water. It spreads through her fingers and into her wrists, loosening and softening, and she closes her eyes, finally, breathing. Yeah? She nods, eyes still closed. He pulls a little, and she lets him take the shotgun away. Hears him set it down nearby. The harshest part of the panic attack ebbs, and the feeling in her limbs comes back. The edges of her mind sharpen. Her focus pulls inward, and she takes a minute to try and calm down. To try and get back to baseline. He's not shocking anymore. It isn't that. He's in New York now, and she knows it. Remembers it often. It isn't a shock to see him. Her reaction to him is what's shocking. She always makes herself forget what it's like when they're in a room together. The way her body remembers and gravitates. Something in the very core of her just wants him. Deeply. Achingly so. So much that she realizes she's leaning forward in her chair, unconsciously. She doesn't even have to open her eyes to find her way to him. He meets her halfway, slides a gentle hand to cup the back of her head as she settles her forehead into his neck. Her hands find his jacket, the green material rough against her palms as she squeezes, blowing out a careful breath. Why are you here? She whispers, mentally trying to hold him at arm's length because she's failed physically already. He rests his other hand against her back, tentatively. He isn't sure where else she's hurt, she realizes. He rasps against her temple. You really gotta ask me that? He doesn't understand. You're never here. You're never here when I need you. She knows he hears the unspoken part, because his fingers press harder into her back like he wants her closer. But he's pressing on her lower back, and she hurts. And at her soft noise of discomfort, he moves his hand, breathes an apology. He slides up higher, between her shoulder blades. I want to be, he murmurs, voice tight and fierce. I think I just... don't know how. Don't know how to do this halfway. For the first time in a long time, she understands what he means. They're not built for halfway, the two of them. They're not built for half a friendship, half a partnership. 
They're not made to hold back with each other. They're not once a month friends, once a week even. They're meant to be tangled up in each other, always. In step on the sidewalk and screaming in each other's faces and finishing each other's sentences with his mouth on her glass and her fingers in his french fries. They live in the very fabric of each other. And doing this in spurts and stops isn't working. Will never work. So are you in or out? She wonders softly. One hand falls to the badge clipped to his belt, and she absently traces the metal, soothes herself with the familiar shape of it. He draws a breath, quick and soft. In. You gotta know that. Then be here, she whispers. I... I want you here. We have to stop waiting. There's a heaviness to it, a double meaning, and she waits. She does want him, when she's honest with herself. She's not over it, his leaving, but she'd rather yell at him about it than spend one more night lying alone in bed, chewing on what might have been. They've been unconsciously relaxing into each other, and she dips her nose under the collar of his jacket, feels him reacts to it. He's so warm here, and she lets herself hide, realizes there's a flush creeping up the back of his neck. He's affected, she realizes, by her breath against his skin, and it makes her belly swoop. It takes him a few tries to speak again, and she waits, lets him try. They have to let each other try. Live, I... I want... He stops again, swallows hard. There's always been more here, for me. He gets the words out, and then turns his mouth into her hair, lingering for a moment. I know right now, this isn't the time, but... need you to know that in, for me, means... There, finally. They're quiet for a moment, and she decides she needs to look at him, that they should be looking at each other if they're doing this now. Slowly, she pulls back to meet his gaze, temporarily forgetting how bruised she must be by now. She sees it in his eyes, though. He makes a low, discontented sound, reaching up to brush her hair back. His hand shakes with what she knows is carefully controlled rage as he lightly traces his thumb across her cheek. And we're just kids, she says softly, gentling him instinctually. His other hand comes up to cradle the unwounded side of her face, and he leaves her bruise alone, reaching for her hair, reaching for her hand instead. Yeah, well, kids and gangs grow up fast. She sighs, letting herself lean into the warmth of his palm, finding his eyes again. For me too, she murmurs, bringing her hand up to cover his. There's more for me too. It's the most vulnerable moment they've ever shared, and it, and it feels surreal that it's happening like this, after she's been jumped on a Wednesday with a shotgun sitting next to them. The whole thing would be hilarious if it weren't so big and important. 
He takes a deep breath, nodding, and she feels the agreement they make. Not now. Not tonight. Not while she's hurting. But soon. They settle after that. She won't go to bed, and he knows she won't. But she changes into softer clothes and lets him settle her on the couch, a fresh ice pack laid carefully over her face. He sits down in the chair she'd been occupying, facing the door, and puts the shotgun within arm's reach. It's his watch now. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.